As promised, today we have an interview with Brendan White. This was recorded at the end of last week, uh, like Wednesday or Thursday, I want to say, of last week. Something like that. It was recorded last week. Uh, Brendan's awesome. And this was, like, seriously one of my, like, favorite people to talk to that, like, that I've ever had on the show. Certainly one of my favorite athletes I've ever gotten the pleasure of talking to. Uh, he's he's beyond cool. And, and he's uh, a big – he just likes to talk about baseball. And he, like, kept saying it. Like, I just want to talk about ball. And that's, you know, kind of something that I reiterate a lot too. Uh, big stats guy, big analytics guy. We talked about what stats he uses. We took kind of a peek behind the curtain at the at the development team, rather, of, like, the Tigers and what they like to use. So much more. Erie's team, like that, you know, playoff team and all that. Being added to the roster. Everything in between is a really cool interview. I hope you guys enjoy uh, yeah, so over to the interview today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked on Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Uh, today, we are joined by a very special guest, Brendan White, the newest edition. I'm, I'm going to call you the newest. I guess there's like five <laughs> of you that were kind of all by the same time. Right, but right. I'm going to call you the newest edition just for uh, to be a little dramatic of the Tigers 40-man roster. Brendan, how you doing? Good. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, of course, of course. I, I I would imagine we were talking about it a little bit uh, before we went on air, and I want to just bring that up immediately while it's fresh in our brains. And just first off, congratulations! I know that's a that's Thank a you. massive Thank accomplishment you. and a, and a huge deal to get your contract purchased by the team and be on the forty and everything. So, uh, congrats and and take us through that. I guess day as a whole, like you know, in the back of your head, it's a possibility. You know that if it's not a possibility, then the rule five is in a week, like or two weeks. Like that's a right. it's gotta be a very anxiety invoking day, I'd imagine. Yes, absolutely. And um, as we had said before, you know, it's one of those things where you don't know if it's gonna happen at nine AM, ten AM, eleven AM or five PM. And we knew the deadline was at, at six that night. So, you know, throughout the course of the day, you know, like I, I had my ringer on, you know, I didn't want to miss any phone calls if one was gonna be coming in and uh, I was constantly checking Twitter and scrolling feeds to see what teams had put what players on and, and if there was any way to try and figure out if the Tigers were going to be doing it soon. And um, ultimately, we didn't. I, I remember not really seeing too much until around 2 or 3 o'clock. Twitter started to, to blow up with names starting to go out and, and seeing the, the potential list of guys that would, that would get added. So it started to – anxiety really started to pick up, I would say, around 2 or 3 o'clock and then – ultimately subsided at 5.30 right after I got that call. That's wild because, like, the deadline was at 6. And I remember, right. as a member of the media, being pissed off that, like, all these other teams were getting their list and, like, they had something to right. talk about. And it's, like, 5.58 and we still have no clue. Um, so the fact that you also were kind of up against the buzzer there, I'm sure, like mm -hmm. you said, is a very anxiety-inducing day. But um, you did – make the cut and that's awesome just talk to us about uh the conversations you had with like reese olsen and lipsius and just the whole group of guys like five people added to the 40 man mm -hmm. is is a pretty substantial amount so just talk about the this group of five that that's all on the 40 now right yeah i mean so reese was my uh roommate throughout the entire year and through spring training and then uh, throughout the season we were road roommates and everything so 
this has been something that we knew that both of us, this would be our rule five year and that decisions would have to be made regarding, you know, whether or not we'd be added to the 40 or left for the rule five. And so throughout the course of the summer, we had always talked about this. And then, you know, we were kind of counting down the days until, you know, it would have potentially, I think it was November 15th until November 15th came. Um, so then throughout the course of the day, you know, right, right away, I remember waking up to go, to go for my run. I was like, damn, this is a day. Like, I can't believe, I can't believe I have to spend this whole day. Like, you know, with this, with this amount of anxiety, like, cause there's nothing you can do about it. You know, like you can just try and keep yourself occupied and go through your workouts and, you know, hopefully delay those a little bit, but you know, it's difficult. And, you know, as soon as Reese and I, you know, we woke up, we immediately started texting each other, seeing, you know, going back and forth about what organizations were putting what guys on the roster and if there were people that we knew and, you know, we were trying to find a rhyme or reason or, you know, if there was a way for the Tigers to be up next or when they were going to be announcing something. So, um, you know, that was difficult. And then right after, uh, right after it was announced and I saw everybody else got added because, you know, you don't want to just necessarily start talking to people and telling them what's going on. Like it's, I thought it would just be better to wait and, you know, see when everything does get announced you know, about who it would be. And once we saw the, the full list of rosters, I mean, we immediately all texted each other and, you know, we were, uh, we were like, Oh, thank God that's over. But, uh, you know, congrats and all that stuff. So it was, uh, it was good to celebrate with them. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. Tell us, uh, about, uh, I guess the conversations you've had with either, whether it's Scott Harris specifically or just the front office. Cause he keeps bringing up like you up specifically. Like, I don't know if you're aware of that, but like when they ask about, yeah, when, when they ask about, you know, like the newest additions to the 40 man and stuff, he, he, he appears to be a very big fan of yours, which obviously makes a little bit of sense. So just talk about the, the, the moment you found out and, and what that mm -hmm. was like. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, it's funny. I had just finished up. Um, I had trained one of the, one of the clients. I, I was working him out in the gym. Um, and that, that was from about three to four. So I got home at like four 15 and I knew the deadline was at 6 PM. And I sat down in my, in my kitchen and uh, my mom was, she was, you know, getting ready to make dinner. And I was like, I was just scrolling through Twitter, scrolling, scrolling through Twitter. And I was like, I don't know that I can just sit here and stare at my phone for the next two hours. Like this, this sucks. So I was like, all right, I got to find something to do. I'll find something to do. And I just happened to walk away at that moment. And uh, I mean, eventually about an hour later, I kept on going back and forth, walking away, trying to keep myself occupied. And then I had walked away and I heard my phone ringing and I was like, oh, wait a minute. And I sprinted back into the kitchen. And so at the moment, at the time, it was an unknown number, which happened to be Ryan Garko. Um, so I uh, so I answered the phone. And once I heard it was him, I I had a pretty good idea based prior. Well, knowing that there was going to be a call coming in from an unknown number, most likely. So that was uh that was pretty exciting because I was like, wait, I think this is it. Like, I, I really hope I'm not getting a spam call right now. <laughs> <laughs> bad timing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really bad timing. That's awesome, though. The uh, I, I want to talk a little bit just about your, I guess we can call it now at this point, rise through the Tigers system and, and mm -hmm. whatnot because you were a, a pretty late round draft pick. And I know that we talked a little bit on air before. Um, or off air beforehand as well about like draft day and everything. So just talk to us about the the beginning of your professional career, getting drafted by the Tigers and, and what at the time, I guess you thought your like future held on the mound. And then now, I guess if that's changed or not. Yeah. I mean, I, I was drafted as a starter all throughout college. I was a starter. Um, so coming into pro ball, I had, 
I mean, minimal relief experience. And then that first summer I got a little bit of, uh, I got a feel for both. So I, I was in, I was in the pen. I was also starting a couple of games. Um, so I was kind of just getting the feel for pro ball. Um, the following season, so then COVID happened. So then 2021 season comes around and I start in the bullpen in, with the Whitecaps. I spent the first month there. I struggled a little bit. Um, I got put into the rotation and then spent the rest of the summer in 2021 as a starter with, in, in high A with the Whitecaps. Um, knowing my arsenal and, and the type of pitches that I have and, and where I can get swing and miss and, and specific outs, I knew that some of my stuff may, may play better at the moment in the pen. And uh, talking to Gabe Rebus and, and um, Steph Stroop, like we kind of figured out that the pen was probably going to be a better spot for me moving forward heading into 2022. So I spent most of spring training in 2022 just uh, getting acclimated to the pen, figuring out routines and and keeping myself prepared to throw every day because, you know, coming out of the bullpen, it's you never know. You, you know, you have to be ready for every game, whereas a starter, it's every five days. Um, so I was able to figure that stuff out and everything you know, ended up working out and I had a strong season. So. That was, uh, was pretty good. What's up, y'all? Really quickly, just got to jump in here and tell y'all about our friends over at Simply Safe. At Simply Safe, uh, they believe that home should be where your family feels the safest, especially over the holidays. So this season, give yourself and your family the gift of peace and protection with the number one rated home security system, Simply Safe. And right now, Simply Safe is offering Locked On Tigers listeners 40% off of new security systems. So don't put this off. I love it for a lot of reasons. Uh, it's named the best home security system of 2022 by the U.S. News and World Report for the third year running. In an emergency, they have 24-7 professional monitoring agents that use Fast Protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence and verify if a threat is real. There's nothing else like it. The professional monitoring service costs under a dollar a day. That's less than half the price of traditional home security systems. They also have the top-rated Simply Safe app that keeps you in complete control of your system at all times. So don't miss your chance on one of my favorite my favorite security system. You can get forty percent off of any new system at simplysafe.com/slash locked on MLB today. That's simplysafe.com/slash locked on MLB. There's no safe like Simply Safe. And now. Back to the interview with Brennan White. Yeah, strong seasons be, being a little humble. You had a very, you had a, you had a very, very solid season for sure. And, and so I, I want to go back and get a little like technical with your style of pitching and stuff. Because mm-hmm. um, you, you had mentioned your arsenal and how, you know, it was kind of talked about how it might play better in the pen. And then you obviously had a great year out of the pen. And um, mm-hmm. one of, again, like Scott Harris's comments literally earlier today was, uh, that he was a big fan of how you elevate your fastball and how it's able to get swings and misses really easily. So mm-hmm. talk to us a little bit about, uh, I, I guess, if you want to just talk about like each of your pitches individually, if you want to talk about sure. like swings and misses, just kind of how, your approach to each batter, I guess. Yeah, so that was one of the things that I had started with the, regarding the fastball that I was starting to figure out, um, I would say in the middle to the end of last year, um, where elevating my fastball is able to induce some swing and miss. So looking at some of the, the data and some of the reports that were coming out, I was able to kind of pick a data point. It's called a VAA, uh, vertical approach angle. And I, was, I noticed that my ball was more flat at the top of the zone. And with the swing pass, that swing pass are, you know, 
it's going to stay above the zone or above the bat as the bat comes underneath. And so that was something that I could utilize to try and get swing and miss um, to pair with my slider. So I was able to put my slider with a four seam and my slider is, is probably my best pitch and my favorite pitch. Um, you know, that, that I get a lot of swing and miss and we contact on as well. So that elevation off, you know, helps with changing eye levels, but also swing and miss on that front. So it kind of gave me a different dynamic to how to get after uh, some hitters. For sure. Well, well, let's talk about the, the development, that system, I guess, that is in place by the Tigers that, you know, you mm-hmm. kind of talked about a little bit there, looking at movement and looking at bat paths and stuff. And that's something that uh, I am super fascinated in just with talking with several other pitching prospects in the organization about how the Tigers develop their pitching and whatnot. So when you're looking at those kind of numbers which ones, I guess, are you specifically looking – I guess what are your favorite stats and what are your least favorite stats, I guess, is the simple way to put it. What what analytics are you using to, to try and help you and help improve your game and, and what numbers are – whether it's a coach telling you not to look at it or you yourself are not looking at it, what are what are maybe some of the, the I don't know, overrated stats, I guess? Right. Um, the things that I tend to look for when it comes to my four-seam is my VAA. So I want to see how flat I can get my fastball. So that's some, that's one of the things that I pay attention to. And granted, the higher I throw it in the zone, the, or just not even in the zone, it could be out of the zone, the more flat it would be. But I just want to see how effective my pitches are in the zone. Like when I put the baseball in the strike zone, what happens to it? Um, and ultimately, that's the most important piece because, you know, especially, um, you know, going into double A this year and then, you know, the levels moving forward, like, you know, the, the zone gets smaller and smaller because the hitters get that much better and better. And so um, being able to have confidence in, in certain pitches to put them in the zone and, and have a, having a pretty good idea of where to do, like where to get swing and miss or where to get weak contact is, uh, is really important. Um, so on the slider side for me, I, I like to see the, the movement of it and the, uh, the, so how much horizontal break it has. So just how much total movement it, it's, going across the plate so if the plate is 18 inches i want to see if i'm getting 18 inches of, of sweep to it or if i'm sure. getting more or less so i can you know that kind of helps me understand say for an average over the course of one night it kind of helps me understand where i need to start that pitch in order for it to be a strike and or get it off the plate you know because if, if it runs 18 inches but i or if it sweeps 18 inches and i throw it down the middle now i'm missing nine inches outside <laughs> you know and that's not really a competitive pitch so sure. You know, it helps, uh, you know, it helps kind of refine my arsenal and, and, you know, because that's something that changes, you know, every day and over the course of weeks. So it kind of helps you tinker and tweak with some things. Um, I guess one of the, uh, the overrated stats, or like one of the data points that isn't the most important, as people might think, is, is probably spin. You know, it's sure. more so the, uh, I guess, the efficiency behind the ball, like how much it is spinning in a certain axis to create movement the spin ultimately is just your total amount of potential movement because the ball is spinning more. So um, I think that's one of those things that tends to get overhyped a little bit, though it is important just to see how much total movement you can get. Sure. It's not, not the biggest deal in the world if you're a low spin or high spin guy. Yeah. It doesn't guarantee movement. It just is potential movement. Right. For sure. Um, So when, for some other pitching prospects that that we've had on and, and talked to one of the things that 
several of them have said is the use of numbers rather than ERA, I'd almost say. Like a lot mm-hmm. of them are looking at FIP and XFIP and right. uh, Sierra even and, and, and stuff like that. So talk about some of those numbers. Like obviously you, you want your walks to be low and your strikeouts to be high. And we'll talk about that in a second because you do not walk very many batters, which I'm a huge fan of, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure. So uh, we'll we'll talk about that in a sec, but I I do want to know when it comes to the amount of like runs you're giving up, what numbers are you looking at in that regard? Yeah. um, Expected fit. So fit is is super important, but the, uh, this year I've really got into the expected numbers. Um, because the expected numbers take into consideration launch angle and exit velocity. So it's a little bit more of a refined predictor of success. Um, you know, because like, like ERA is just, you know, how many runners cross the plate, but it's like, how did that happen? Was it two bloops, you know, did, right. with a walk and, and, you know, and a run scores because of that, or, you know, were you giving up hard hit line drives? Um, and so expected FIP is takes, takes into consideration everything that I induce, but, if, if baseballs are getting squared up off of me, that number skyrockets. Whereas if they're hit really softly, even if runs come up, I realize that I'm still inducing weak contact and I'm kind of just getting unlucky at the time, um, which is a little bit easier to live with, you know, because it's, it's frustrating to see your ERA go up because that's typically what everybody sees, you know, sure. people aren't talking, you know, you don't see XFIP on your, right. That's not on the scoreboard page. and left. Right. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> you know, so it's difficult, but you know, it's, it's a little bit easier to understand like, how your season actually is going and and how well you're actually inducing weak contact for sure yeah we i I think the the biggest thing is just like that is much more a that is a a much easier like indictment of things you can control like that is that is much more like what what am i doing on the mound and what are the results directly of that? Whereas ERA, like you said, is just any time a run scores, period. And that, mm-hmm. even though people like to think it's always the pitcher's fault, it's not like at all, right? right? So, right. I, I, I really, I'm, I like that, and I'm. It's a, it's just in this analytical age. There's just so many new ways to analyze the game, and and I'm always fascinated on what because some players just like analytics, not my thing. Like I'm just going to mm-hmm. go out there and, and throw. And so each player being so unique to, to that whole thing, um, were you always kind of a, I guess, analytically inclined player? Or was that more of a new thing as you became a pro or even a more recent thing? Yeah, it was definitely a new thing. Once I got into pro ball coming from, I went to Siena college, a small school in the Northeast and uh, so large madness appearances from yeah. Siena, by the yeah. way. No, no. Yeah. Oh yeah big basketball school, um, not as much for baseball, but so we didn't really have the access to the tools in terms of data and analytics. And I was there from 2017 to 2019. So a lot of this stuff wasn't even that common yet. Sure. I had heard about some things, but it really kind of came from like the, you know, hearing from guys at the bigger schools and the SEC and the PAC 12 and the ACC and like what that meant. But, you know, thinking back to what they were talking about, it wasn't even, you know, there wasn't much advanced, like they weren't actually getting much information. Sure. Um, so I remember coming into pro ball, we had access to a ref Soto. <clears throat> so I was able to kind of start to see some efficiency numbers and spin um, and, and see how movement patterns. So like how my baseball moved and then how to best utilize where my stuff was at the time. Um, but I didn't really know too much about what I was doing. Uh, so then fast forward to spring training of 2020, I had thrown 
a really good bullpen and the only bullpen that I had thrown uh, that that spring training because I was there for four days before it got canceled. Um, I threw the bullpen and I, I went into the uh, I went into the the analytics office and I said, I don't know anything. Can we look at these numbers and teach me? Like, I, I, awesome. I, like what does this mean? Right. Um, and so we sat down for, I mean, geez, probably 45 minutes to an hour, just breaking down each data point and then what's good for me, what's bad for me. And I had my notebook and, um, you know, kind of took notes on, on like what I needed to do moving forward and, and certain things that I should be keeping track of and where I should try and be chasing more movement or chasing a, a higher number for something, whatever it is. Um, I kind of had a blueprint for that. So unfortunately, we then get sent home and uh, the only baseball that's on is the 60 game MLB season. Mm -hmm. um, thankfully, baseball savant uh, was a thing and, and the they best. had the, at, best. Yes, <laughs> the best, right? The so best. I started to take the information that I had learned and started to look at baseball savant data and watch the MLB games and, and dive into what the numbers meant and then started to figure out a couple of different things and, and put some pieces together to figure out what I needed to do and what guy who were who was similar to me um and how that stuff was going to play so ultimately like I I'm in huge into the analytics and ultimately I'm just trying to find an edge so For anything sure. that I can do to try and figure out a, a better way to use my stuff or certain places to put pitches and counts and so on so um I really kind of always been inclined to, to learn a little bit more about the data and now that we uh we have access to I mean bunches of data it's uh, it's a lot of fun to dive in and then learn you know different pieces what's important to each coach now that we hired a bunch of guys um and we get to see um you know what's important to them and then you know kind of just bring everything together one last time got to jump in here just to tell you all about our friends over at bet online bet online is your number one source for all your news stats and analysis this season get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football, college bowl season, basketball, World Cup, they've got it all covered at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. That's the last uh, jump in from me. Enjoy the rest of the interview. Really cool guy. And yeah, I will see y'all on the flip side. For sure. And and yeah, I, I'll tell you, I haven't watched a baseball game without Savant opening <laughs> at this point years, probably. That's, right. uh, that's right. the best friend of the program for sure. So um, I, I do want to talk about the, the you, you mentioned the coaches and, and there's some more mm -hmm. coaches coming in really top to bottom, really across the organization over the last two years specifically. There's been kind of a, I guess overhaul is probably the word with a lot of new additions to the coaching staff. And um, so I, within that time frame, the pitching development has also seen from an outsider's perspective has appeared to have taken big steps forward. And, and there's a lot of improvements on the pitching side of things in this organization. Mm -hmm. So just talk a little bit about what you've seen on the development developmental side of things, what, you know about the the coaching staffs of the levels above you. What who has helped you along the way so far? Just kind of kind of highlighting the development up to this point. Right. Yeah. Uh, I would say the biggest thing is we were kind of given access to everything that we could need. Um, you know, coming especially I noticed this immediately in spring training when when Gabe Rebus, our, our pitching director, had um, 
brought us all in and he gave us access to all the tools. He said, you know, we have these bands, um, these, uh, I believe it was driveline balls, these clubs, um, we have velocity belts, like we have all these tools. So we're here, like these tools are for you to use. If you guys like certain things, you know, use them. If you don't like, don't use them. Um, and then gave us access to, to all the data itself. So it was kind of more hidden from us for the last prior to uh, we were, um, we had to be sitting down with a coach in order to look with, look at data so that we weren't, you know, just getting into our own heads and, and, and trying to figure things out for, for ourselves and, and getting stuck. So they actually, they kind of took the opposite approach where they just said, well, feel free and let's talk about it. Like sure. bring up some points and, and let's try and figure it out together. So um, the access to the information was, uh, was awesome and, and honestly huge for me because I was, you know, I spent the whole year looking at it and, and trying to see where I was going with trending up and trending down. So that was, uh, that was really cool. Um, but I would say the, the biggest thing is, is with approaches and really honing in on your strengths. And that's something that they really emphasized to us was know your strengths and, and execute them, right? Because ultimately everything comes down to execution. Sure. So it's know what you're good at and get really good at that. And we're not expecting you to be anybody other than yourself. Um, and so they, I mean, they were able to share that vision with us. And it was, um, it's really what helped kind of helped, I know me personally and, and other guys, um, you know, kind of take control and take advantage of the resources and the tools that the Tigers have and to, uh, you know, take ownership over their career and really propel themselves forward. Have you, uh, have you worked a lot with Fetter yet? Uh, not too much. Uh, I, I had thrown a bullpen with him, uh, in spring training, but that was really the only time that we had actually worked like sure. one-on-one. Um, but I'm hoping to spend a little bit more time doing that this year. <laughs> I think the fan base <laughs> is open for you too as well. Like that is, that's for, for my money. Like that's, you know, that's like the best in the business. He's, he's Absolutely. unbelievable at his job. He's a great dude too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like Robin Lund, the, the new hire from Iowa, like kinesiology mm-hmm. major, like that's a, you know, focuses on like movement and, and like, right. the, you know, the body, which I know you're big into as well. Like that's a, that's a mm-hmm. super, I don't know. Like I, I, I'm a huge fan of the, the pitching like staff and, and everybody mm-hmm. we have on, like just reiterates what you did about how, how, how great the pitching development and the coaches and everything are. And that's just, it's so nice to hear. Cause if you went back, I don't know, five, 10 years ago, like that would be a totally different conversation. So it's just a, a, a really cool like step forward that I think everybody has seen so far. Um, I, I do want to ask you about the Erie Seawolf season just as a whole as well, yeah. because that was, that, that was a fun, a fun year over there it in was. Erie and yeah. uh, you know, playoffs and, and everything. So just, Talk to us about like that group of guys and and just the the Sea Wolves this year and, and like I said having the postseason berth and then like going for like making a run and uh, like one of the coolest storylines in the entire organization was easily the Erie Sea Wolves so just talk about being a part of that team. Yeah, I mean it was a, an incredible group of guys. Everybody, we were all super close knit. Um, you know, off the field we're doing everything together and hanging out and watching movies and TV shows and you know, and, and playing pool and, and ping pong and stuff. And so, you know, we got really close as a group. And so that kind of just went out on the field, you know, which you don't necessarily always see in pro ball, you know, because people are constantly shifting up and down levels. But, I mean, our core kind of stayed pretty consistent in terms of our lineup and the stat, like the bullpen. 
and the staff itself. So, you know, we spent a lot of time together and, um, you know, we were, I mean, really, really all became really close friends. So I think you could see that on the field. I mean, I know personally, I felt it, you know, the energy that we brought together. I mean, we were a very high energy group, you know, we were snippy and, you know, we had some fun and, uh, you know, and, you know, we happened to be playing well for realistically the entire year. Yeah. You know, we were, came really close to winning the first half. I believe we came, we came in second and then we ended up winning the second half. So, you know, when you're playing really good baseball for that amount of time, you know, the vibes are constantly good. And so it's easy to kind of keep on, a, keep on a roll and to, and to, you know, stay happy and, and not to put too much pressure on ourselves, which allowed us to, uh, to thrive. For sure. And, and when we talked about the Seawolves season, like on this show a few weeks back, it was, it was this like beautiful blend of, you know, the, the players that got off to a hot start maybe early on, like the Kerry Carpenters of the world mm-hmm. who had just like a you know, God season down there, right, in the minors. Mm-hmm. So, like, you have some players like that who maybe got promoted early on. But, like, right as those players started getting promoted, then you had, like, this new wave of, like, you know, Reese Olsen, like, obviously going up there at, at, at some point, and, uh, like, Wilmer Flores. And, like, you, you just have, like, this infusion of talent, you know, Parker Meadows, that ends up getting called up, like, right as the, the players that got off to a hot start leave. Like, you just get more, yeah. like, really good production and talent. So, um, I, I guess just talk to us about the the. There's a lot of excitement around the players that are majority mm-hmm. on the SeaWolves roster. I mean, that's right. uh, just in those five guys that got selected, right? Like, uh, like Winsio Perez spent time there. Lipsius, mm-hmm. obviously, like you, Olson. Like, there's mm-hmm. it, it's just their Meadows. Everybody is obviously super excited about as well. And and mm-hmm. Flores now is a top 100 prospect. Like the list goes on and on and like. They all played for the Seawolves this year. So, like, is that a is that like in the the mind of like that that group as well? Like, hey, like mm-hmm. we, you know, we're we're trying to like grow together, kind of have this, I don't know, like core almost, kind of like go through the system together. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And and one of the biggest things, and and going back to an earlier point that we had talked about in terms of player development, uh, the emphasis this season was to win, um, and it was it was to go out there and to win baseball games and win a championship. Um, ultimately we just, we just fell short of that, but the, the idea wasn't necessarily too player development focused in terms of like, um, how, like people weren't scheduled to get into games and it wasn't just sure. like, we're here just to get you guys, like, we're going out there to win baseball games and, you know, we're going to try and do our best and put the best players out there in order to succeed. And thankfully, like you said before, we, as soon as one guy left, we had another guy stepping up and, and performing as well. So, you know, it was a constant funnel um, of players who were, you know, hot staying, you know, the entire year. So, you know, and that was, a, and that's player development in, in a sense as well, obviously, like to learn how to win and to be successful and, and, you know, to take losses and, and put a little extra pressure on yourself, you know, because it's, it's easy to lose. It's hard to win. Right. So it was, you know, that's a, a player development aspect to it where, you know, this was an emphasis was to win. Um, so, yeah, I mean, having the, the core of guys being as successful as we all were in our each, each in our own way, obviously coming together and we had a good season. Who is the best pool player on the team? Oh God, it wasn't me. I can tell you that much. <laughs> I didn't spend, I didn't spend too much time playing pool, to be honest. I mean, sure. I spent, a, I spent a lot more time playing ping, uh, ping pong and, 
I'd say Who's Marcus the best Sol- ping pong player, though? Yeah, Marcus Solback was uh, incredible. Um, I mean, geez, we had a, Gage Workman was up there. There was a, a lot of really, really good players. And we would have tournaments and stuff. So oh, it was yeah. like, you know, we would have, I mean, we'd have a ton of fun playing that. I uh, I only have a couple more questions for you, then I'll let yeah. you get on your way. I, I do want to bring up the amount of walks you induce because it's very small. And that is something that immediately when Scott Harris took over, he said it in his introductory press conference. Like he went on this mm-hmm. huge spiel about like, you know, the, the strike zone disproportionately affects how the game is played. And like, we want to dominate the strike zone and uh, on right. both sides of the ball, we want to throw strikes. We don't want to walk people. And uh, a lot of people very quickly when it was announced that you were going to join the 40 man kind of like pointed to that and was like, Oh, like, like Scott Harris guy, like that makes total sense. Cause he, he doesn't walk very many better. So talk about, is that a, a mindset thing? Is that more of an execution yeah. thing? Is that something that you're, you're constantly thinking about? Like, I, I don't yeah. want to walk players or is it just yeah. kind of in the style? Just talk to us about the, the amount of walks that you don't induce, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a mix of both. So mindset and, uh, and then coming down to execution, um, you know, the, the mindset is always having confidence in the pitches that you throw and using the data that we had learned, sure. you know, there's certain zones where we can get free strikes. You know, that's called, we call it CSW. So called strikes and whiffs. So where, yep. if you put the ball there, they either take My it. My listeners are very aware of CSW. Okay, <laughs> don't, awesome. don't you worry. Don't you right. worry that. that yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So CSW is one of those, uh, one of those big pieces, but ultimately it comes down to repeatability and being able to put those pitches where you want to. So even if you do fall behind an account, having, you know, multiple pitches that you have confidence in that you can rely on to, to get yourself back in, you know, personally, if it's, you know, if it's two O count or if it's three O count and I miss with a couple fastballs, like I'm confident to go to my slider in those counts and, to get some strikes. Um, and so I guess the mentality isn't necessarily to, to not walk guys, but to have, you know, in an aggressive state where it's just constant attacking, um, attacking the zone and, and personally, and, I, it's easy to have, you know, confidence with success as well, but, you know, I have confidence in, in my ability to execute pitches. And so I wasn't, you know, shying away from putting baseballs in the strike zone, you know, and then, you know, where, whatever happens, happens, you know, I just, if I put it in the zone, then I'll take my chances, but that's something that I'm, you know, I'd rather give up a hit than, than walk a guy, you know, because he didn't, he didn't earn that, you know, like, that's just me failing. You know, if I'm get, you know, if I'm going to get beat, like, you know, hit, you know, beat me. Right. Hit something. No, yeah. Don't beat myself type of mentality. Yeah. I don't want to beat sure. myself on that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I think that's all I got for you. I, I greatly appreciate you coming on. Um, oh, one more thing. I, I ask yeah. like everybody this when they come on the show and I ask, depending on what level they're at in the system, favorite place to eat in Erie, Pennsylvania. Ooh, favorite place. To, oh, uh, oh man. I can't remember the name. I would get a, Every Monday, it was a tradition for uh, my house. It was me, Reese Olson, Adam Wolf, um, Ty Madden started joining us when he came up at the end. And honestly, about five or six other guys. We'd always get all-you-can-eat sushi every off day, every Monday. Yeah, so we, we would go to town on sushi. And I mean, I swear we had half the team at one point. You know, every Monday we were, uh, we were going out. But uh, Ichiban, Ichiban in Erie. Yeah, it was five minutes from where we stayed. And every Monday, at, that was dinner. So uh, that's, that's what I would recommend. 
I love it. I absolutely love it. Well, again, I, I greatly appreciate you. Uh, wish you the, the best of luck, obviously, this upcoming season. And, uh, yeah, I mean, constantly we'll, uh, we'll be checking in on you wherever you start off and, and hopefully majors by the end of the season. Yeah, I guess that Sounds good to me. <laughs> I'm sure it does. I appreciate you. Thank you. Of course. Thank you. If you all enjoyed, I had a blast talking to him. Uh, I know that the audio is like a little bit of a muffled mic just because like that's the mic he was using, but still very audible and everything. So we ran with it. Um, it, it, awesome dude. And like, to be honest with you, like peek behind the curtain a little bit, uh, after we were done recording him and I just like stayed on the call and just talked about baseball for like 45 minutes. And we literally just talked about like certain teams and like, it was the middle of winter meeting. So we we're talking about big signings that were happening and stuff. He, he just loves talking about baseball, like truly like one of us in that regard. So it was super cool to get to talk to him. Thank you to Brennan White for taking time out of your day to uh, to hop on the show. We'll definitely be in touch. And yeah, I hope you all enjoyed. So we will be back tomorrow, probably talking about some minor league moves that the Tigers made over the last week, I guess, is, is fair. I think they span over the, the course of a week. So we're going to talk about that. Any other news and notes that come out? Uh, peace and love. Going to Therapy's Dope. And I'll catch you all then, baby. Go Tigers.